Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky, a podcast where I sit down with some of my friends in the local Columbus, Ohio theater, film, and improv scene and talk a bunch of geeky stuff. Some of it good, some of it bad, but all of it definitely geeky. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review or subscribe wherever you can get podcasts. Our official sponsor of the show is Audible. With over 200,000 titles to choose from, get one audiobook and two Audible originals each month included with your trial, even once your trial ends and normal membership begins. Best part is you own your library, meaning you keep the books even if you cancel with easy exchanges. So if you don't love a book, swap it out for free anytime. Sign up for your free trial over at audibletrial.com forward slash goodbadgeeky. Download the Audible app and start enjoying your new audiobook now. Also, support for this podcast has been made possible by our Kickstarter backers, Ashley Carson, Catherine Ranella, Wooz, Yannick, Doug Poeta, Christopher LeBlanc, Andrew, Kenny, Jerome Wetzel, Casey May, Anonymous, Tavia Ordway, Anthony Portillo, Jen and Brian Petrie, Guest 16554254418, Laura Spires, Kimberly Barr, Kyle Jepson. We here at The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky want to advise listeners that this episode was recorded during the pandemic between the end of 2019 and the end of 2020. In this episode, I am here with, I'm Point, you start, Kyle Jepson, and Edson Stegor. Wrong show. Fuck. Eric Sternberger. All right. Okay, well, well, okay. And on this episode, we sit down and talk about... We're going to talk about Lorian, Star Wars, and we're going to talk about Season 1 and 2 and much, much more on this episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Geeky. And a word of warning that there will be spoilers aplenty for freaking everything, including Game of Thrones. Not just on the... Well, yeah, on everything we talk about. So, listener, beware. And uh, look, we know you have thoughts on Star Wars, so uh, we want to hear it. Join in on the conversation by interacting with us via social media or email. Twitter and Instagram is username goodbaggeeky or email me at goodbaggeeky at gmail.com. If, if your comment is classy, we may read it on a future episode of the show. All right, enough on my end. Roll them. This one is about season one and two of The Mandalorian because we kind of didn't go over Mandalorian season one, but I mean, so it's really more of a updating on where we're at with Mandalorian being that season two at the time we're recording this just ended like a week or two ago. So I'll just go around. Well, actually, let me ask this first. I'll, I'll start with Kyle and then head over to Eric because Eric, I know you've seen pretty much everything. Yeah. Kyle's shaking her head. Yeah. Kyle assigned herself homework that she was going to rewatch like a lot of shit before we record this. Did you get a chance to know of it? Okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Well, you no, seemed I, very gung ho and then you started rewatching the prequels and that's why I was like, man, she's serious about this. No, and- I got through, I'm in the midst of Clone Wars right now. I just, I honestly, I thought this was going to record later next week and not tonight. And so <laughs> I kind of, I took on a Herculean effort amidst being home for the holidays with my mother. I did a complete rewatch leading up to Rise of Skywalker and it took me a while. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, Clone Wars, once I can sit down and just like not be distracted, but I mean, like, it's been almost a week of me being home with my mother because we're in each other's, you know, pods for anyone listening in the future. COVID (laughs) times. But so her and my time has been spent a lot cooking and baking together and watching a lot of, you know, the sappy Christmas stuff you watch this time of year. The good thing is that Filoni, Filoni, and I don't know, you have not gone that far yet, but John Favreau actually comes on board in terms of the timeline of Star Wars and what Dave Filoni's doing during Clone Wars. And it's in particular during the Mandalorian stuff. 
and it's really fascinating. And I feel a lot of people who one of their big nitpicks with the season two finale of the oh, what's the name of the blade, Eric, the black lightsaber. Oh, the dark saber. The dark saber. The 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 dark saber. A lot of people had problems with because they have no concept of Clone Wars and the Mandalorian Creed of whoever holds the Darksaber, and you have to fight each other in battle. And they kind of tackle that in Rebels a little bit, or they kind of go against that grain, but... So there's an interesting theory on that. Yeah. And I feel like we're kind of going all over the place here before we talk about the actual show, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so, there's one thought on that, and that is that since Sabine Ren was in the same clan as... And she gave it to, to Bo-Katan... That that's different because they're in the same clan, but because like it's like Jin is in like the Viz yeah Death yeah Life. yeah as opposed as opposed to like if you like someone needs to win it into their clan or into their group or and and also about the fact that you know we haven't seen yet but how Bokatan lost it that's true too yeah in which case it, since she lost it she might have to win it back as opposed to being named successor or like crowned essentially the only other thing i could think of is that once one a character in another show has gave her the dark saber and i know who that is by the way i just don't want to ruin it for kyle okay. oh you did oh sorry you did say okay okay so once the bean gives her terrible millennial about reading shit on my phone while i watch something so you don't have to worry about so sabine gives her the dark saber the only thing i can think in my head canon that we either way they'll probably show us eventually in tv show or comic book or movie but is that the those who saw her pass over leadership over to Bo-Katan were fine with it, but because she didn't win it in battle with Sabine, maybe that created this weird riff that people she had a hard time following people, and that's why it's like, oh, the story is still important. That's the only other thing I could think of, but that's actually I've not heard of that either about the clans. That's also really good too. So it's the only thing I can think of. I even got it in the first place. Right. Yo, yeah. Me too. And. So I think one of the interesting things is with this season is that Moff Gideon kind of takes a, well, very distantly, but weirdly enough, Favreau and Filoni for The Mandalorian have him take a page out of kind of what Darth Vader, or that there's always this looming threat above them. And we don't know who it is exactly, except for it's the Empire. Someone, or possibly someone under the empirical guise is yeah. doing that. And when he's revealed at the end of season one, and it's refreshing because I feel that's maybe, and this is always debatable, it's kind of a problem in episodes one through three, that we know it's Palpatine. We know it's Palpatine. Unless you're like a little kid and you don't know anything, you haven't seen any of the movies, you don't really know. But nine times out of ten, you know it's Palpatine. But like... It's a different looming threat. Like there is no constant kind of bad guy that's kind of guiding your viewership, which is kind of refreshing. And I feel like they took a page from that, but while heavily leaning into like the whole lone samurai, lone wolf and cub thing, which I absolutely thought was really a master stroke uh, on their part. Well, that was, that was Favreau's pitch. Yeah. Kennedy asked him, well, how would you feel about doing the Star Wars TV show? And he pitched basically Lone Wolf and Cub. Which is really just a smart... And I don't know who... Was it Favreau whose idea it was is to make the child whatever species Yoda is? Yes. That was good too. You know... In the, the art book of season one, they have all the different attempts at designing, which is amazing. Just about all the different ways they were trying to go and trying to find it and like making the eyes a little bit bigger, making this specific design things like... Favreau wanted to see like no white in his eyes and just like there's like very specific kind of things and basically said like there was one drawing that as soon as one of the guys did it they were like 
Darn, that's it. That's fan. Well, I mean, and the good thing, interesting thing is too, is it's so great that they can do practical with him because ILM and other, I think, other workshops, they have done that kind of stuff. He looks like a naked green version of Gizmo, like the cute one from Gremlins 2, not that really ugly thing from Gremlins 1. That video of Robert Rodriguez, who directed the finale. Yes. Oh, he didn't do the finale. He did the... The Boba Fett episode. The the, yeah. yeah, the one with the, the temple. that he, There's a video of him playing guitar with the puppet of Grogu and him like jamming out with Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, and I don't know if you hear this, but it's about eight seconds into the video. You can hear the baby coo. I mean, it's annoying how adorable it is. And it's also awesome, too, because that means they have some of those sound effects for the child available that are... <laughs> I, I don't I really don't think that I, I could be wrong. It's Robert Rodriguez. He does a lot of in-house stuff or do you know what I mean? But or he could. But I really feel like since they're very like if we can do practical, let's do practical. That They would have a sound effect. That if they press a button, the baby will make a coo sound of some kind. Well, that's the biggest thing with me actually rewatching the prequels is like I remember being, you know, I was 11, 12, 13 when the prequels came out and just I remember it kind of being the first time I was really disappointed watching a movie and going, oh, that isn't what I felt, you know, the first three movies. And in a way, and I talked about this in a video, it kind of made me appreciate even more practical effects, which I really love. I mean, I know like some of, you know, Grogu is CGI. Oh, yeah. Rewatching the prequels, I was like, it made like you can tell the majority of Baby Yoda slash is puppet, which and watching rewatching episode two, especially I was just like, I couldn't like it just it wasn't I don't know. It still just doesn't sit right with me watching those early 2000s like CGI editions and then the prequels. Well, and I just wonder what would have happened if George had the volume back then, how much better and more interesting it would have, at least for the actors. Because I feel like even from the actors, you get you really do get a different vibe. And it's not just with Star Wars. It's other things that have been pure CGI, too. Like, you get a really different vibe, I feel like, if you have props on hand or whatever. And I know... Sometimes it's a little bit better when they do like the what is what was Peter Jackson's company called Widget or something there in in New Zealand Weta. Weta when Weta does they really start honing in on the whole motion capture thing with Andy Serkis and you can do motion caption with different actors and that was a whole thing James Cameron did in Avatar like cool and that helps a little bit because you can bounce off other people but you're still looking at a bunch of people in like bald suits or whatever. It's what I always love is like, then when they started bringing that back with force awakens, which I thought was uh, great on JJ's part, but like, it's one of those things when you look at it, some of the designs are so amazingly done to hide people. One of my favorite ones from force awakens is there's the guy who's carrying crates on his back. He's like this old man who's like bent over and has crates strapped to his back. Not not an old man being like old creature. He's like, hunched with the head in front and everything and these crates with creatures inside of him he's like selling rare creatures and it was designed to the fact that it's like one of those you know like someone riding a dinosaur kind of halloween costumes where the guy his legs are the puppet and he's standing up in the crates that are masked by all these other creatures and that's how he's like walking out and the, the strings of the guy isn't him holding the you know the cages it's basically the guy inside managing the front of the puppet it's like seeing that kind of you know amazing creativity is like that's what i love yeah and and i feel like and favreau was completely against cgi back in the day like 100 percent against it best he could like he wanted which there's a part of me that is like well i get that but 
you know, he it's like he slowly started dipping his toe further into the water before he finally jumped in. Because I remember he did Zathura. He didn't even want to do anything for the robot, but he was forced to by the studio. CGI and made. There's a difference between like resisting it until you can't versus going in and being like, just we'll fix it in post. It's kind of how I feel like CGI in that day was tricky. Well, the whole, the reason they could even do Mandalorian is basically because of the stuff he developed for Jungle Book. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I mean, I immediately, we Captain Marvel. Yeah. Look, this is why they reached out, Kathleen Kennedy reached out to him is because of what he did with Jungle Book. And that's when they started doing like the digital screen walls that they could use with the CGI and the blue screen and the motion capture. And they could tie all that together so they could get actual, so they were viewing it in real time and he was able to direct. And yeah. so basically that was the first iteration. And then like, that's one of the viewable live action remakes is Jungle Book. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, they carried that through into Lion King. And basically after two times of it, he had the technology to a point where he was like, I know how to shoot this. Which is good. For the ladies in our audience, let's go back to like when Mandalorian season one came out. How did you both feel like when you first watched it? You yeah. For the late, what, what are you asking now? For the ladies in the audience? Yeah. I, well, here's the thing, man. I dug it, but I, I you know, I dug it. I, I really did. And I was super excited for it. But I, at that point, had, I guess, kind of seen Clone Wars and I saw Rebels. So, like, I, and I knew Filoni is involved. I didn't know to what capacity, but I always already had a good vibe about it. So, when I started watching it, I was like, this feels like Filoni's kind of touching it here and there. And it has kind of that weird master stroke involved. So, I really enjoyed it. Eric? Yeah. Well, that's the best thing is that the fact that, that it all came together because Filoni used Favreau as a voice in Clone Wars. Yeah. And it's tied heavily to the Mandalorian stuff. So when you do get to that point, it's actually all uh, oh, this makes sense on why he's doing Mandalores and stuff. It's because Favreau was there doing post-production on, again, Jungle Book, I believe it was. And he met, he, he kept asking, can I get a, kept like doing that whole thing about like asking, trying to drop hints to get a tour because they don't take you on a tour of the ranch because ILM's separate and eventually they finally took him on a tour and he met uh Filoni and he's like hey I love the cartoon if you ever need a voice let me know oh. and Filoni's like well fuck yeah and so like they kind of like worked with each other a few times and then became which is an awesome thing too because from reading the book it talked about how like they really do complement each other and the artists and the designers were saying that they basically everything it really only takes three takes of designing because the two of them know what they want, they know the language, and they can communicate it so well yeah. that they can be like, it's other than designing Baby Yoda. But they're like, you know, hey, this is the thing we're going for. And they have such a quick shorthand of references that the designers said basically get everything in two to three takes, which is why they're able to actually produce the show so fast. But yeah, I mean, because like the, the second season of this show literally almost it, it wrapped production maybe a week before Hollywood like shut down for COVID, which I think really shows like how fast of a turnaround it is, right? Because the first season before that had only wrapped up, I don't even know how many months before that. So I, yeah, I think they said there, there's a, a certain timeline in there, I don't have to check it, but they actually started the design production on the season, I think like I think maybe the first season, I think it was, they said right after like two months, like one month or two months after Last Skywalker. Oh, wow. Okay. Man. So, so like that's when they started season two. So 2019 and like season two came 
only about a year later, which is given the production quality and given the, the company is insane. I know they said like with the first season too, that they're basically working on television production kind of schedules. So like they weren't done with the season when the first episode came out, if I'm not mistaken. But they also shot it so that like one, three and five all shot at the same time. I think all and like all the ones that use the same locations they shot at the same time they shot based on location but which is funny because it's the volume and they can program the location yeah well i mean for the most of it like they did some shots that were outside you know like they did actually do sets outside or whatever but they can also then they can they grabbed all the same actors <laughs> so hey we're gonna do one month of shooting yeah. yeah i was i feel like with like the first season i really i liked it and i feel like it took it, it was in typical feloni fashion where it took until about like the fourth fifth episode till you figured out what they were doing yeah. of like what where is this heading what is how is this tying together uh which is great which i mean and, and i will say this kyle when you do a full rewatch skip resistance that's the only other one you should never watch Wait, say that again? Rebels? Uh, Resistance. Oh, that's the other series? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, Eric stuck it out through the whole thing. I did not. Well, I'm not going back to work until April at this point. How else do I have to do? Well, I mean, don't. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're. it's like, you know, when pe you tell people not to watch the first season of Parks and Rec, yeah. and then, like, jokers tell you, but I have to watch everything. No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, I mean, but to be fair, Nick, I did go back and rewatch Parks and Rec one after I fell in love with it, and like I was like, okay, I can see some of the some of the startings of what was happening. Here. Oh, you, you all people told me to skip agree. season one. I completely agree that they were trying really hard in the beginning to be the Office two point You all were the ones who were telling me to skip season one, and I was yeah. the guy that was just like, no, I, I can't. I didn't do it. And then right when I got two episodes into season two, I was like, I could have like was it the Penguin episode because it was the Penguin episode for me that I was like, oh, no, this is actually really funny. I no, actually I enjoyed the first. Actually, I mean, technically, I enjoyed the first episode. They brought Adam Adam in. That's season three, though. Season two, when Amy has the gay penguins. Yeah, was like, oh, that was season three. No, I have no concept of Yeah, Adam Scott was. Adam Scott and Rob Lowe were end of season two, beginning of season three. Yeah. Shit. I have no concept of, well, that's not true. Point is I did enjoy season two yeah. pretty early on from the get go. And yeah, I wish I could have skipped. Yeah. Resistance is just not a good show. Their protagonist is fucking terrible. And just who was that produced by? I guess that was, I think, it was, it was the second Disney show, but they tried to do like kind of like a weird cell shaded anime type style. And the Filoni was involved, but he I think he dropped out to work on Mandalorian or he yeah. wasn't like fully involved. So like his name is on it from start to finish. But it, it sounds like he didn't really have a lot to do with it after the first no. season. It's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking because the, the, the bad thing about that show, too, is that they'd get six episodes in. and You'd have an episode where like, oh, this is the one they turn it around. This is the one where like it all figures itself out. This is the point of the show. And then the next episode is like the thing that happened didn't happen. Oh, it's like the Browns um, so if you're a sports fan. And and the worst part about it, and it, it shares DNA with the Mandalorian, so I'm gonna tie this all back, oh, is yeah. that Resistance has so many great comedy actors doing voices. Horatio Sands, I believe, does one on that too. But no, he doesn't. I'm sorry. Bobby Moynihan. Bobby Moynihan does a voice. Donald Faison, Jim Roush. There's like there's a lot of good like comedy. It actually has 
a a gay couple that's an al- aliens that run a scrap shop together that that is jim roush and bobby moynihan they don't that's explicit fantastic. they don't explicitly say it but yeah yeah but it's got little things like that where you're like okay th- maybe it'll get better and it doesn't series had a gay couple before the mcu had a gay couple on there are at least a dozen in the books yeah i know so did anyone actually have any not beef but like problems with season one of the mandalorian like honestly early on and i'm not saying this is really a critique more of a comparison through about episode four or five i was getting really heavy firefly vibes kind of like the the space western feel did you feel that yeah again toward it it just it like i definitely was feeling very heavy firefly vibes super early on I, I did, but I also felt like, okay, this is going to be a show of homages mm-hmm. where it felt like almost every episode or every two episodes or so, almost every other episode was a definite homage, especially, you know, the Kurosawa one being the most obvious that Bryce Dallas Howard directed with The Fishing Village and Eugene Cordero, great comedy actor and improviser hidden in that cast. But I didn't feel like it was a detriment no, but i'm not saying it was i just it was a similarity yeah. i noticed and also my other big beef in general with this season and with the show is, is it gina carlo playing yeah like yeah. i i try very much to be separated from the person our, individual the person i really liked her in season one before she went insane yeah thank you and like she was in deadpool and i was like like honestly, and you know, for anyone who has never seen me, I'm a plus size girl. So I really loved seeing a girl who was beefy and big and strong and like could kick ass. Like it really, like when I first saw that character, I was like, freaking yeah, how terrible that actress was. Because she's like, she's a transphobe, transphobe. she's right wing. Like she's, yeah. she's just not a great human. Anti-masker. Being. Kyle, if you need to find a an, an amazing kick ass thick girl who I do not believe is problematic in any way, Please watch The Expanse. Yes. I will write that down. What? It is the best sci-fi television show currently running. Is it on a thing? So it started out on sci-fi channel, but was really good. So it couldn't be there anymore. Yeah. So it's based on books. It's based on a series of books that are, that are like nine books in. But yeah, so they did like three seasons and then canceled it. And Amazon was like, looked at how many people watched it on Prime. And they're like, fuck this. And then they brought it back. So it's in the middle of the fifth season right now, and they've announced a sixth and final season coming up. Well, okay. Well, I'll have to check that out. Cause but yeah, you got to check my, out. My interests go from space cowboy melodrama to like, like bridge. This is There's game. No, this no is no game way. of Thrones in space. Well, I mean, not season eight, but I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so far five, halfway through season five, and it's still small. We found out that D&D can fuck up shit real quickly, but we'll yeah. see. Any who's will be. So the Mandalorian itself, I, first of all, like, I remember being very annoyed when Disney Plus first, like, we're like, yeah, we're going to release this weekly. But I think this is kind of smart now on a streaming services part because it's dissipation. Amazon yeah. started doing that now too with The Boys and with The Expanse where they drop the first three episodes and then go weekly from there. Which, it, you know, because I, I felt the same way too. Like it was more like I was frustrated just because I enjoyed it right off the bat, but I wanted to get to the next one. But I also appreciated it too because, you know, the last major show I remember honestly outside of game of thrones that was on network tv that like right off the bat a lot of people talked about game of thrones it felt like it took like up until sean being in his head cut off spoiler alert 
in the first end of the first like three episodes before the end of the first season like you know or whatever it was if sean beans in anything his head's coming off right but you know it was I just rewatched you know what i just rewatched recently that i was like in this was it's a bad movie don't come for me troy my wolf Oof. does not die in that because he's odysseus and he True. has to go on a 20-year journey after but i remember being like Oh, Sean Bean's in this. How is he going to die? Well, someone's did a scientific study, like an actual scientific study, they thought. And it was just like he actually seems he dies in them. And all the movies that he watches or that most people watch are the movies he dies in. But he does such a wide catalog of movies that he actually survives in more of them than he dies. It's just that the ones that we watch, like National Treasure, Patriot Games, Lord of the Rings, a.k.a. the blockbuster films and TV shows that he's in are the ones where he all dies. And like that really, you know, it takes up a smaller range of, I forget who it was, but someone in the comment section said, it's like the old adage of the Simpsons about what was good and what was bad. Like if you go up until like around season nine, but it's run for 30, what 30 seasons or 29 seasons or something like that. Is that if you go, if you agree with that sentiment that there are now more bad episodes than there are, it's kind of that same vibe as that. The impression is that, Sean Bean dies a lot, but really he's done more than that. It's insane. But um, but usually people, I remember outside of Game of Thrones, they didn't equate that as, I didn't hear a lot of water cooler talk about that show until Sean Bean died in, in, towards <laughs> the end of the first season. But Mandalorian, it was two things. It was, they're launching Disney Plus off of it, technically, and they're doing weekly. And I the last time I can remember was Lost was... Uh, yeah. a- and they wanted, and, and Disney, I think, was incredibly smart with this and the fact that you couldn't do a one-month thing because we're not dropping it all at once. And they hit you, and that's where then Disney was smart and also, I think, you know, Favreau and Filoni were smart and the fact that every episode, especially early on, gave you something to talk about. That's true. That each one of them was like, a, oh, shit they brought and 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 it was a way that they brought in just like unexpected moments with history and, and got you to talk about the points every week that, that i think has really helped the show and you know having a weekly delivery service like like every week at this point is probably going to hurt you if they're the, if you're the sopranos where entire four or five episodes would go by where it would feel like something was going to happen, but nothing did. So it was still good television, but with the way people are used to consuming it nowadays, I don't know if something like that would be as good week to week. Well, let's talk talk about that a little bit, because I feel like there was a backlash towards Mando season two because of that. Like, I felt like a lot of people felt like season two was, well, I don't agree with his sentiment at all. But there were a lot of people that a lot, the, some of the reviews I saw that were catching my eye were they were uh, spinning their, they felt that season two was spinning their wheels until like the last I, I three I have friends think that. Yeah. There is some criticism. I think that's fair in the fact that they did. There is, I know there's been several decent memes about the pattern of every episode. Something's wrong with my ship. Let's go to this planet. Yeah. Oh, I, a I have a thing that can, I have a thing that can help your ship. But I need you to kill this guy. Okay, I'll go kill that guy. Came back. Hey, my ship's fixed. Where's my kid? Uh-oh. Grogu. Put a little more respect on the name of the 96 Honda Civic who was driving around. But yeah, so... I had a black 94 Honda Civic that literally drove till the day it did not anymore. 
And it happened to be like, I, I'm not even shitting you, the day after like my first job interview with COSI, which is a science museum for anyone yeah. not Columbus based. Like it was my first full time job. Oh. I went to my full time job interview and then I got it. And then legit, not even a day later, my dad died. And, and I feel like there is some legitimate criticism in that, in the fact that, yeah, it's just that they're giving us cool moments along the way that it is telling a simple story. Let's think about how many shows there are that do that week after week, like the monster of the week formulaic vibe. Like, oh, yeah, I, I feel like we're just not used to it anymore. Yeah, and, and I, but I think that they were telling enough of a, an arch with Moth, I think, but because he, he he didn't come in until kind of like the back half of the season. So I think that's kind of where people felt like, well, we're just spinning our wheels on this story until till Moff Gideon comes in. Yeah, and I get that, and, and especially like if you're not. If you're not a, a more of a, a bigger, if, if you're a movie Star Wars fan, you know, then the whole ah- Ahsoka thing, who, who gives a shit? Yeah. I don't know who this person is. Oh, it's Rosario Dawson. That's cool. They're like, I, I, I could say, like, I'm probably a movie fan, if you will. Like, I'll come out and say I read a lot of Raylo fiction, fan fiction, like, earlier, <laughs> but that's who I am. But, like, honestly, when she showed up, I was freaking hyped. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, the most we got of a female Jedi before that in the movies was a depiction of a woman getting killed during order 66 right? yeah well that's because shock t wasn't in enough but that's all right eric well, i'm really excited to argue about you with this when i know more about what i'm talking about no, i agree with you in the movies they did not show that well enough uh-huh okay i read Dragonlance, not star wars books because i had a pivot in imagination and i also don't think there's anything wrong with with, with movie star wars fans i've got but i've got my friends that are just movie Star Wars fans are the ones I heard those concerns about that they're spinning their wheels. And I feel like there were a decent amount of moments, I think, in season two where they dropped shit for hardcore fans that was like, yeah, where they they dropped things for the hardcore fans that were like, oh, fuck yeah. But like, you know, the, like my, my friend who had that complaint was like, who the fuck message me goes, who the fuck is Thrawn? Yeah. I, so, yeah. And so I, f- I feel like this is a legitimate concern that Thrawn means something to me. But not you if you've not seen or heard about the right. character. I feel like and you could say the same thing about like a lot of season two shit. Like, because there were a lot of concepts introduced that, yes, if you had not watched Clone Wars would not make sense. However, I feel like with the right storytelling, with the white, with the right, like, you know, framing it'll work because honestly i have very few reasons very few like reasons to not like season two because i feel like they framed it in a very good way to like you know that sort of lore of the dark saber of Bo-Katan like I did not feel like I needed additional context well I'm glad to hear that I I really am because I really enjoyed it but I said I did hear that from some people who yeah well the thing that I thought as being I know how television shows work in terms of that you try to scratch out a television show as much as you can just because it's good money. I mean, usually. Tell that to uh, Nikki and Paolo. Well, well. Bring it back to your lost comment. Well, no, they did. Yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. I just caught up. Oh, that's it. Just <laughs> Kyle well, caught up. Here's the thing. You know, that as a lost fan, I, and as a writer, I appreciate what they were trying to do. Yeah. I also appreciate that they had time to recalibrate and take care of that situation. But that was like the quickest retcon in all of like entertainment history in a way. Yeah. And you got to remember too, that was back when they were still arguing with ABC on their schedule mm-hmm. because I think was it the plan was they did seven episodes for season first half of season three, they would come back and then 
I think it was right when they came back as when they took care of Paulo and Nikki because they had time to recalibrate the whole show. And that's also when they worked out their deal. I think they're like, yeah. we're going to end it at six seasons, however many episodes and yada, yada. And you can't break the season up anymore. We need it because fans are getting too angry and we agree with them. And you're like, cool, I get it. Yeah, it was like that. And it was- oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. Heroes is a big old Less said there, the better. Oh, no. I did have one complaint with season two. And it was that I, there were for a few episodes there in the middle it felt like mando was in someone else's show it felt like to me that he was not driving any of the show it was like it's one of those things like and nick you'll appreciate this as a writer it's kind of like when you have a main character who's being dragged everywhere as opposed to initiating action oh see eric i kind of loved that actually I loved the concept that Din was just someone who had no idea who everyone was. He was like, like, I mean, I mean, I assume if you're listening to this, you know the ending. If you don't, stop listening now. But like when he looks at Lou Skywalker and he's like, are you a Jedi? Like, I feel like I love that kind of Din is perceived as a secondary character that literally has no idea that he is in Star Wars. Like he is just trying to live his life. Well, and I think that was a good that was a really good version of it. But I think there was like some there were there was definite parts of the, along the way where he felt like a supporting character in his own story. Well, I you know, so I guess that was one of the complaints that I also saw was and I'll I'll was tying into my my last point I was trying to make was with in terms of a normal TV show, you're trying to draw it out as long as you can normally and so i thought the way this was going to be was the end of season two would be he finds some more mandalorians and then that would be season three set up as that would get him on the trail to the jedi and draw that shit out make that star wars money that disney plus money that's how i thought it was going to be two episodes in i think it was episode two right bo katan or episode three bo katan shows up like like holy shit I don't know. Like one of the big complaints that I also saw, but I think that was also right story. after the episode that was all Cara Dooms, where he was basically backseat to her. Yeah, that. So that was the other thing. The other complaint was is that there the whole season two was either Return of the Jedi or it was uh, Backdoor Pilot, and <laughs> there were a couple Backdoor Pilots. And here's the thing. I guess that didn't bother me as much, to be honest with you, because if it was a character that we never met in the last season, and I, I feel like it, it paid off by the end of the season, like it just wasn't they inter- Cause sometimes at least on old network TV shows and not as much these days, cause there's not a lot of backdoor pilots that succeed, but like, like they would introduce a backdoor a character when the CSI popular. group suddenly has to go down to Miami. Yes. <laughs> right. And you're just like, and they're not even in the episode. And then one of them goes like this, like, yeah, the who pops up for some ungodly unknown reason. And an explosion happens in the background, really yeah. bad pun at <laughs> the camera. No, but like, usually they do a backdoor pilot and it, 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 it feels tacked on to what, what's going on. And it doesn't pay off by the end of the season. Like I, I felt like, Car Dune showed up again and was with us for the last half of the run. So it just wasn't you introduce her and all that stuff. And yes, Mando is definitely like a follow along on that. But I also feel like that also sets up like a lot of the second trilogy or Yeah, like the sequel trilogy, like because isn't that the episode they with Carl Weathers directed that they go over? Yeah like the clones and all that stuff or the it's not pal it's clones of palpatine that one of them ends up possibly being mm-hmm. snoke and i was like holy shit this is phenomenal but and as I, said, I think by the end it kind of it evened out but there yeah. is like kind of one thing like when you're 
and that's where I think the weekly series can sometimes hit you or bite your ass in the fact that you had maybe three episodes in a row where he takes a backseat to another character. Mm-hmm. It's suddenly like that's like practically a month well, of Mando taking the backseat as opposed to if you watch all of them in a row, you're like, oh, this makes perfect sense. That is true. Now, what do you think about the Bill Burr episode, though? Do you feel like that? That's my favorite episode of the series. Yeah. It was so good. Like, and I know a lot of people were very, like, anti, like, why is Bill Burr in this series? He doesn't deserve to be in this series. He was just playing Bill Burr. Burr, burr, burr. I mean, I kind of felt that way in season one. I mean, he was fun, but he. And I very much was like, yes, I am here for this because he is perfect for this. And then again, and then watching him come back and thrive in season two. Yeah, that is act his ass off yeah like there's a moment in so i rewatched the last three episodes of season two earlier before we we started recording just so i can get it, especially at the end of season two get it really get come off fresh of that and no matter how you edit it there's that one scene where they're in with uh was it Devin ness or something like that the his old commander yeah and and there's a scene where like mando just din just looks at him and goes no i know what you're thinking don't take it personal don't do this and I, in the back of my head, I was like, you could have edited that to come in later, like right before he actually shoots him. But like Bill Burr's performance is so goddamn powerful. You it's can't cut away from him. Brown eyes, like literally, oh my God, it's just, yeah. Can we just talk about- Oh, just real about- quick on that though. I actually was able to, I ended up tweeting at a Richard Brake about that because he said something and he ended up liking my tweet about- because I was like, I was excited to see Richard Brake show up, and he oh, ended up liking. I got gotcha. you. He, he, he is one of those that guys. He is like such a that guy. Like when you see him show up in something genre, you're like, you know, oh, this guy's this guy's about to do some dirt. Yeah, he, he's one of those guys that whenever he shows up, you're like, this motherfucker right here plays a good guy. <laughs> what, what were you gonna say, Kyle? Oh, just oh my god! Like one of my few hyperfixations during quarantine has been TikTok, unfortunately. And no. hey, I mean, I was on it before I right at the beginning of, of quarantine. So I get it. I, you're not no no judgment. I'm Gen X. I'm not. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Just the amount of people reacting to Bill Burr shooting like his commanding officer. And oh, my God, like there have been like really freaking good TikToks about the entire finale of the Mandalorian from like that episode until now. And yeah, seen good. I've seen good memes about that one, too. Just like, you know, Oh, just you know, shooting your commanding officer, and there's just like a stormtrooper there who's like, "I just wanted lunch." That's one of those things too that I absolutely love about that that episode. And I feel like the last three episodes or so, I want to say of like this season, like actually started getting some really good character development. But like in that one in particular, I love the fact that like when the transport comes in, the one that gets through all the pirates. And you see, like, the actual, like, stormtroopers rallying around them and cheering them and taking them in to buy them drinks. And, hey, great job. Like, you you made it, buddy. It's, like, it, it's very humanizing of the stormtroopers. It's very human. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, and it's insane because you don't ever think of the stormtroopers like that at all. And the nod they did to Kevin Smith, I thought, was really funny. Yep. But it's very true. In the universe of Star Wars, a million over a million people died on that space station. That isn't funny. Or you're just like... Well, shit, you're not wrong, but like a million people died on the fucking planet of Alder. That is like when Bo-Katan and remind me the name. I'm sorry. The other girl. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard your voice before. I was like, oh, shit. That's that's such a great touch. It's because I feel like not a ton of people would get that out of context. But like I heard that and I I literally was like, oh, my God. Yeah, like it's such a it. it, I, I really enjoy that. 
I yeah, but I it didn't. I guess when I was watching it, I also know what I'm getting into with Disney, like Disney doing Star Wars. So like, I guess the backdoor pilot stuff didn't bother me as much. Like, there was a part of me goes, oh, Bill Burr, he's probably going to be in a spinoff. Cara Dune going to be in a spinoff. Boba Fett, I'm surprised doesn't have a spinoff yet. But then they proved that one wrong at the end of the season. Well, <laughs> they're like casting had leaked about there being a Boba Fett series a while back. But yeah, so the thing I'm going somebody at the very end of like the video of talking about the finale of the Mandalorian was when somebody went like, oh, man, I don't know why, but it fucking slayed me. That is great. Well, I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that I so my favorite character in Return of the Jedi back when I was a kid was Max Rebo. He was the big blue elephant guy that played on the the piano, the circular piano. And he was one of my favorite toys, too. When my mom got like the old sets, like it was so cool. Yeah. But like Bib Fortuna was always that one guy, like I could never not remember because he's such a weird character. And also, yeah. like Luke just straight up, you know, Jedi mind tricks his ass so quickly. It's not even, there's not even a challenge with that. Yeah. It's like, you will take me to see your mask. Like, Jesus, dude. And, and how amazing is that look Fennec gives him when she takes the drink and just sits down, like, and just looks at boba fett on the throne oh, hell yeah it's such beautiful man come on that i'll tell you what that is the one thing like in general that i was just like oh thank you when ming na wen came back this season yeah I, I was so bummed that like they only had her for an episode in season one i'm like she is the most badass like person i was like no but then of course you see the uh previews for bad batch she's a character in that oh i did not know see i'm ex- i forgot in the bad that. batch cartoon uh fennec fennec is in the preview it's a spinoff of clone wars the tv show it it's pretty cool as a lady i feel like i cannot go past like that moment in the finale where the four women are sorry my mom just sneezed through the spaceship shooting up stormtroopers like prior to luke's arrival and how it felt so much more natural than the girl power moment in unity war like yeah. i felt the same way i was like oh, this there have been, been so many like critiques about how that infinity war girl power moment was like fake and i was like no it wasn't it was fine i liked it but up until this moment i was like oh no that was really forced and i i hated that moment because oh. it was not because it was not earned rewatching it now i'm just like Why? those characters didn't know each other there was no it was so it was obviously so constructed but For here the... Here yeah, with Kara. Oh my god, oh good. It was so good. It was well, yeah, because they were naturally on the same mission. They all knew each other, and they were coming together as part of the plan. Like it was already planned out, and and all this. And that one, it just felt like it was designed and shot to give you a quick. Like it just, it was a good job. It was a bunch of women coming together and being like, cool. The boys has a scene specifically because the female yes. writer was yes. enraged yes. from avengers and so yeah that's another good one too yeah i well so let's does it did anyone feel like it was return of the jedi though like season two was very return of the jedi like i don't so the interesting thing is favreau's on record of saying that's his favorite movie i it's my favorite too man like i we've talked about this every time we do a star wars episode like i'm still in the new hope and see that's valid that makes sense to me yes when i was a child it was jedi now it's empire sure yeah well, that tends to be how people, it usually goes. It's like, it's Jedi, then it becomes Empire. And then if it doesn't stay Empire, it becomes New Hope. 
that I can mean different things, and I will <laughs> say on record, my favorite of the sequel prequel sequels. I guess yeah, we'll it's Jedi right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree too. It's the only one that takes a big swing, and I mean, and that's an argument for another time because Eric, actually, I think you might probably have the book where they talk about how like George Lucas's plan was that in Episode Eight, Luke or Luke was a hermit, kind of doing the same thing he did in Last Jedi. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, and then it, but still, it, he renounced the force and all that other stuff. Like I saw like an excerpt of the book where they were talking about that because I think it's the Star Wars theory guy was just like being that Lucas one to do that. I don't maybe think I dislike it as much anymore, but it doesn't make me. I feel like Ryan Johnson did this other thing anyway. I don't agree with. So, I thought that he he nailed it, but that's me, yeah. Ryan Johnson. So my only problem. And I have no problem with the finale, and I feel like it actually all completely makes perfect sense how everything yeah. played out. Is that it does kind of bum me out that they had to bring a Skywalker in, just in the fact that since the Skywalker saga's done, I kind of wanted to also be done with Skywalker. Well, do you? But do you think it makes sense? Like, because honestly, outside. Oh yeah, of I the... think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. Okay. My I guess question, would you have rather it been so and that's where it's like to me it makes perfect sense that it's Luke because anyone else would be a swerve that would either be so far out of left field that it'd be like yeah. wait Mace Windu's alive what the fuck yeah. or it would be someone who no one else gave a shit about that only people like Nick and I who've seen all the other stuff you know would be like if like Quinlan Voss shows up yeah, that's the guy who from is, Fallen Order, right? Yeah, I don't know. That's Kyle Kestis. Okay. Quinlan Voss is a character who actually shows up in Phantom Menace in the background. And basically, Sorry. they liked the look of him, so they turned him into a Jedi. He's like in the background on Tantooine, and they ended up turning him into a, a Jedi. And he's in Clone Wars for a few episodes. And they he's got a, a novel about him. And Yeah, okay, I know who you're talking about so now. He's the only other confirmed Jedi still alive yeah because ezra is tbd right or tba uh, to be determined or to be announced and then the the guy the kid from fallen order it tended that he, uh, was someone from lucasfilm one of the story people said it could be him we have no information about his death yet or something like that and really they were teasing a red herring but yeah, him and his his new master yeah uh, the lady <laughs> whose name i'm blanking on the top of my head but yeah so i mean like they're both non-confirmed they're both still technically still alive ezra's missing and it's like quinlan boss is the only other one who's technically alive and it's like if he showed up i would have lost my shit I'm like, oh sh live action quinlan boss that's awesome but no one else would have gave a fuck right well and the other thing is too is that at least for me with what i know of the world the only one that knows the empire is pretty much like officially and is leading the charge to take care of the rest of the little what's left of them and rebuild the Jedi order is Luke. Like Luke would be the one that would be right. near. Right. And, but like there was uh, was it film critic halt did this big post about how Skywalker was the easy choice. And it was sadly the, the worst way you could have done it. And I, I just don't agree with that. A like, lot of people are confusing the easy choice with the natural choice. Yeah, I don't, I mean, you look so exhausted. I've seen so many people like shit on it for the wrong reasons. You seem like the most exhausted fanboy in the world, which <laughs> given your status, I don't blame you. Of being old? <laughs> Not old, just dealing with the Star Wars fandom. I mean, because like literally no... all I've been doing is like I've been just kind of chronicling my rewatch on TikTok. 
don't ever watch it. No one watch it. But I'm just like, I'm terrified for the quote, quote unquote fans to find me. Yeah, they're the worst. It, it's terrible. Well, and, and I mean, you don't have to like everything Star Wars. You don't have to hate everything Star Wars. But there is like one of those things of you can say like, you know, like we've talked about, you know, Rise of Skywalker, not a fan, but it didn't ruin my childhood or some bullshit. You know, it's like, I don't feel yeah. like it's everything. It's like, no, it's like, oh, that wasn't a good movie. It has, it has some decent ideas in it, but you know what? I also know that you can do a Star Wars movie that's not that great of a movie like Attack of the Clones and you yeah. can get the fucking Clone Wars out of it. Yeah, and you can still also get like some lore out of it. That actually, mm-hmm. Get stuff out of it that works. Get stuff out of it that becomes great. I don't like deep fake. I don't like that shit. You don't like the, the Luke Skywalker version is better deep fake than it is, it is. in the final it is. version. I, I have a, I don't know. I would have rather they just use Sebastian Stan. Yeah, I, and again, it goes back to Captain Marvel and Sam Jackson. Yeah. The same technology they use. Yeah, but it, it, to me, it's like if someone's doing the performance, and I know Star Wars is very problematic in having people do a performance and then switch out their, va- their voice after the fact without mm-hmm. telling them. But yeah. But if, I don't know. I always feel like if, if if you're the actor, then you should be doing the acting. Yeah. But. Well, I, I think I it's know, like would it have had the same impact? And like, don't get me wrong, I love Sebastian Stan. I really like Sebastian. But I mean, would I... it have had the same impact? Please, like, let's all live that goddamn hallway scene. Because I know Eric, you talked about it being like Rogue One, and like it's a Rogue One mirror. I like that. It was great. I like. I came from the perspective of like i don't think it's luke and i don't want it to be luke until it's absolutely proved to me and when his gloved hand with his boots came out i was like oh okay yeah i did anyone else tear up during that like i don't know why i just felt I was, the x-wing came I was, in i the x-wing came in and i just started to tear up and i don't know i i feel like as i've gotten older luke has taken on more a i don't know like he's a childhood hero i i don't and it's oh, weird yeah. because I, mean, I don't think i felt the same way about that like 20 years ago versus now it's a very yeah, no, weird I, I screamed i screamed eventually when he came on screen like i put my face into an actual pillow and and cried but going back to that though i would never have wanted i guess to me i would not have wanted them to irish man in harrison ford into solo for god for by any means yeah okay i i guess I mean, because we I saw how how virile robert de niro was playing a 50 year old even, even getting into deep, a fight but even the deep fake version of the irishman is better than what they actually well, do I, that's the thing that bothers me i feel like there's a way to do deep fake but they can control it and make it more whatever but i don't know i may be wrong but like the captain marvel sam jackson i yeah. think that's like they paint over it sell it i thought it was good i thought it was great I, honestly but that was also sam jackson acting and then they were able to take the oh, age's yeah, performance sure. like that was what i based my mark hamill stuff on i was like oh that actually it looks not terrible I don't know if they actually had Mark Hamill in. I think he just did the, he gave permission for his vocal looks. and He, he was on did. set. Oh, he, okay. But oh, he wasn't, I mean, well, he wasn't actually in the costume, no. was he? Oh, no, he can't, he can't fill out that belt. Well, actually, he could. That's the Wait, problem. He looks good. He oh, looks great to do that. Yeah. I, I'm not saying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not dismissing us. There's just, you know, things that happen to your body over time. Yeah. I mean, it's like poor what they Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel, and yet he looked like fucking Julius in or Jules in Pulp Fiction in that movie, and I was yeah, I don't yeah, that's oh it, well, I just remember when the X Wing showed up, I started to tear up, and I was like, oh, I think it's him, I think I know who that is, 
my my wife who god love her she can't remember little things sometimes like she needs you to fill in the blank like she didn't remember that luke drove an x-wing and so well, like i'm just going oh god let this please be it and she's well, like my, who could it be and i'm like i'm not gonna let myself believe this is real because i don't because my fangirl self i can't have nice things yeah but eric you talked about how it may have been other people right who was it supposed to be like it was like i don't know there was there was people trying to put forth the rumor that it was going to be Mace Windu. That was right. Yeah, which, I'm sorry, I am fine with letting Mace Windu stay dead. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, I mean, I don't disagree with Samuel L. Jackson and other fans in that, did he kind of die in a sort of shitty way? Yeah. But I, one of the things I enjoy about Clone Wars is you get to... Well, one of my favorite one-off episodes of Clone Wars is him and Jar Jar Banks. I know that's like... A, but it's a deep cut in that series, but I enjoy the hell out of it because he, it's Mace Windu and you, I don't know. I, I like Mace Windu a lot, but yeah, I just, he's good staying dead. I just, the Luke Skywalker thing doesn't bother me, but I feel like with Mandalorian, it was the right choice. I didn't think it was the easy choice. It was a natural choice. Is that what you were trying to say earlier? It yeah, was it, natural. It, it was the natural choice. It wasn't like, it wasn't like fan fiction. Like, and then Luke Skywalker shows up. No, um, it wasn't. Cause if you, it, it's the only thing that really makes sense in context of what's going on in the universe. That and, and what you know is about to happen. That Luke is trying to start a school. Right. And it, yeah. And again, it, it now I do understand the concern that people have about the whole thing of trying. Whole kylo ren yeah like i i understand <laughs> people trying to you know go well yeah he's going yeah he's yeah people totally I, and i get that like you know they're trying to connect the the things and they're also trying to say well can we have one thing without skywalker he already, he already escaped anakin so yeah so i will point out that there is a comic book canon adaptation called the rise of kylo i think where shows that he didn't actually blow up the jedi temple it's kind of thought that like snoke or palpatine did right yep. and also what it's mando is like five years after jedi canonically canonically yeah. so i feel like everyone who's like oh no yeah exactly like everyone who's like oh no baby yoda was killed by i'm like no no 10 years exactly and i mean based on based on luke learning the jedi arts like after a week and also ray god lover like here's what who's a jedi lately it's like you get like a week and a half of training and you're good that, that tell you how i wanted the whole season to end no I, I wanted him to point out the fact of like when he asked luke are you a jedi i want to say ask him what's your name luke who and have him pause and be like luke yoda then wipe out and it's over well that's because of the rise of the skywalker womp well yeah like in literally is like in the middle of a goddamn star wars story and he has no idea he was like like looks at luke skywalker mark hamill and goes are you a jedi yeah i, I love that and the fact that first obviously by this point people don't even know who the jedi are anymore which is like the one thing that always been like it's one generation but clearly we can forget about nazis in one generation so it happens unfortunately it's, but but yeah. like that is always the thing like i love the fact that like, you think about it if you don't know what a jedi is all you know is they're like this mythical wizard you've also been fed propaganda that they were bad and tried to cause an uprising and overthrow the government it to a normal person like mandalorian and jedi are kind of right to a normal person a jedi showing up is probably gonna be fucking terrifying yeah some guy just shows up with a you know a light sword and moves people with his hand yeah 
terrifying. Yeah. I can you imagine being a I think about this way, being a parent, not knowing anything about the force, Jedi, Sith, any of this shit, and all of a sudden your kid starts moving stuff with his mind. Yeah. You're gonna drown you're gonna drown that witch, or what are you gonna do? I mean, and on the upside, that's the other thing is that most people, the Jedi would take their kids away from them. And sometimes it would be voluntarily, but other times they would take them away from their family. And, and you know, put it in that kind of context, how much of it is the Jedi knowing that if they don't get to these kids quick, that the, these backwater communities in the outer rim are going to stone a child for being a, a witch or something. That that too. I mean, yeah, I've never thought of that. That's actually a darker, that's yeah, a bummer. That's where, that's where I go with this shit, baby. Like, question. Yeah. Season three. So season three, the argument has now been made for Grogu slash Baby Yoda mm. never coming back. How do you both feel about that? I mean, I don't, I think he should come back because he's tied to the, he's tied to the lead character. I feel like he, I feel like we would benefit from a season with just Din being Din. I feel like eventually if Grogu comes back, great. But in his current capacity, no thank you. I just, I want it to be like the Ahsoka episode. And, and what I mean by that is that, because here's the thing, the moment Luke Skywalker did show up, it's not the easy choice, it's the natural choice, but you do tie everything into the larger narrative. And so you want him to come back in a more intelligent role? like. Well, no, I, I, the thing about Ahsoka was, is that she didn't feel forced into what was happening because Ahsoka is such a powerful character from what you've seen her in that mm -hmm. even in Rebels, I, I mean, it's a weird balancing act, but there are times where Ahsoka's just lone presence in Rebels just make you want, you just don't really care about everything else going on. You just care about Ahsoka. And that's not a bad thing. That's how wonderful the character is. But I didn't get that in this, in Mandalorian that much. It was just more cool that she's there. And how is she there to service the story of, not that she doesn't service the Rebel characters either. It's just it's a weird vibe that she's so involved with what's going on in the larger narrative that it yeah and with mandalorian it just felt like she's there to further din's plot not and not show back up and keep the the plot going with her kind of running catacord to it yeah i feel that way with grogu like i don't I him just to be here i want him to come back with a purpose so and i've got two thoughts on that one ties into the kind of like my one overarching question I kind of have in general, which is how the fuck do those trackers work? Sorry. In, in the fact of like, is is there always going to be bounty hunters coming for Grogu or is that no longer a thing? Oh. Because of the trackers. You know what I mean? And, and also like how do those trackers actually find you? But that's besides the point. That's just a logistics question. Well, I would love like five seasons from now if Werner Herzog just shows up again. <laughs> Like I would like the child. I would like the child. Except now he's like he'd lift his shirt and it's robotics. Um, exactly. Yeah, I was but fat. I would love to see a first half of the season that actually shows Din dealing with not having Grogu. You know, like too. four four episodes or so. Yeah, like with the loss, like not right. Him around. De de dealing with the loss, not having him around. How does that change him? Does he start to go back? to being a bit darker by not having the spite you know by not having you know you know batman without a robin kind of thing is going through the same kind of arc that the witcher is going through right now with like having a child but the witcher is about two or three seasons behind. and i could also see like a scenario where he keeps refusing to fight uh bo-katan and they go and kidnap grogu 
to force him to god damn it fucking take it just take it but you know what i mean it's like that's a scenario i could see in season three yeah i don't i mean is they they now know that is his weak point yeah, that's true. I mean, here's the thing. I don't mind if Grogu shows back up again. There's a part of me that agrees with both of you. Like, I'd be fine without Grogu around for a while. I just don't want Luke to be constantly showing up and being like, oh, because I now have a storyline with the child that this is what's going on. Or that's what I worry about. I don't want that necessarily. Because here's the thing. I will enjoy that. I will buy into that hook, line, and sinker. But the way I feel, at the same time, I'm also a little bit more, we have a good thing going with the fact that Luke showed up at the end we don't need to ruin that so if they do that and they they realize that okay grogu is a weak point people are going to use it to get to you and then it could even be just like a hologram of luke can show up and be like i once left my training to go with my friends as well this is where he you know he chooses to be with you for now that now that would be acceptable but again i would hope that would be the end of the season kind of thing versus or maybe even a midpoint versus Yeah, and that could be the end of the seasons that he gets him back during the duel. I would love like a season of him just doing what he did, and then in season four, maybe meeting back up with Grogu after like a twenty-year hiatus, where like Grogu can suddenly be like the the only thing. Well, that would put us dead into the middle of Force Awakens. The only thing, though, I would (laughs) say with that though is that you would have to do is that I I think that's actually great, but you would need to, and this is what becomes hard. Every episode needs to be all about him and it needs to further his story, not necessarily just how he used to be, but who he is now as well on top of that. And that's, I mean, for at least thus far, that's been kind of hard for them to do because it's always been the, it's kind of like normal television. It's a case of the week of he shows up to a planet, he needs to get something done, but to get that thing, he has to go on this other thing and kill that person and bring them back and do all this and that. So he can more more importantly, do you think that this series could potentially end tragically? Oh, sure. Oh yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if it did. Yeah, exactly. Like that's kind of my thing is like John Favreau has a history now of like reinvigorating certain stereotypes and like movie what have you. It's like we could honestly you could like credit John Favreau with the MCU. Oh yeah. And it's like anything that he has touched since then has had some kind of life. So, I would know, dare say even Elf from Elf Up. Think yeah, <laughs> not even Elf, like Chef, like Oh yeah, that's help me out. I, oh, I enjoy made, but that was long before that. Yeah, yeah John Favreau can't really miss in my opinion yeah yeah except within a few like outliers lion king sorry how do you ruin scar's song people how do you ruin scar's song that's just the one thing that i would love to see and i feel like they've set it up really well is why i don't want to see grogu in the start of season three is yeah it starts off if he tries to go back to his old clan people are gonna bo katan can leak the fact that he showed his face he's not gonna be welcome back yeah. It, so he is now going to be completely Ronin. He is going to be a lone samurai, literally with a pike and no clan, essentially on the outs with two separate clans, yet with the tool to unite them all. Now that would be really, and I'd be fine. I, I That sounds way more intriguing to me than so, bringing the child back. And to me, that sounds like something that'd be amazing to explore for four or five episodes. And then it, then it turns into the fact that, you know, the back three 
is that someone goes and gets a hold of the kid to force him yeah into a fight to essentially take for someone to take over the clan yeah, I and, and it could that? and it could and it could be a completely third different faction we haven't seen yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that they're actually building towards Thrawn, and maybe Thrawn will be the bad guy in multiple series. But I feel like that's the other thing they're building to as well as Thrawn. That was my big thing was like when Moff Gideon has the moment when Luke shows up and he like tries to kill himself essentially. Like my thought was like, is he trying to kill himself because of Luke or is it someone else? And I was like, who else? Oh yeah, yeah. Cause he had that moment of like where he tried to, you know, shoot himself. After he shoots Bo-Katan four times, no one was a fuck. Well, can I say the first time I watched it, I thought Bo-Katan was dead after watching that just because you're not really paying attention to if she survived or not it was just more yeah. like oh shit and then like lou shows up and then you're like oh luke and then like he takes his helmet off and you're like oh my god the baby yeah and so you're not paying attention to that so when i rewatched i was like oh she's fine she's standing up she's in the background she just yeah. looks like she's a little hurt but I was just like, how can they just fucking kill Bo-Katan like it's no big deal? But they didn't. I just completely mis- misread that. And can I just say I'm glad I was wrong? <laughs> well, it was the week after they put her action figure up for sale. So that would have been perfectly in line with the fact like the, that they ended the pre-orders for the Razor Crest the week they blew up the ship. Oh. Really pissed off. Also, the, the, the comparison that it's a 2006 Honda Civic will never stop delighting me. I See, until you you said that earlier i had not heard that i looked it up and i was like oh i mean yeah i gotta get it yeah but i had not heard that he like goes into every port and he's like can you fix it what can you do like it's a it's an early 2000s honda oh man well so overall though i feel like the general gist of mandalorian for us has been quite enjoyable we've not fallen into some of the same or i guess it doesn't bother us as much some of the other criticisms about like you know it being to return of the jedi or whatnot like they're very surface level for us which is honestly i honestly i feel like it in my eyes revitalized the series like i watched it and i was like oh yeah i remember now i like star wars it's it's like one of those things like i never ever have a problem while i'm watching it i am so looking forward to and excited and enjoy the episode when i'm watching it it's only like i said like after like like three weeks in a row where i'm like i kind of want to see the din do some shit yeah you know it's like so it it's never at the time it's like i'm always so enjoying it like my complaint is i want to see more of them that's why I don't know if that's really a complaint, but you know. Well, it leaves you wanting more in the best possible way, which is if any show gives you has a complaint and that's to the complaint, that's in my opinion, a very good complaint. I don't think it killed my childhood. I don't, I'm, I think I'm of the age that I understand that Disney is a business. Like the Mandalorian was to sell Disney plus. So a lot of critiques about they're trying to season two was trying to sell toys. I'm like, dude, you're dude or do that. It it was trying to sell you Disney plus. Like, I don't understand what the difference between the two is like, it's a very successful. So, so you're mad at a product for trying to be, for being a product. God forbid you be successful at a thing. Well, I, I feel like some one or two people I've, saw their big complaint was like Mandalorian season one was, Oh my God, you're bringing the star Wars back because rise of Skywalker was, did not live up to that. And it almost crushed my love of star. I think Eric, you said it earlier, like it crushed my childhood fandom thing. And, and, but then season one brought it back 
but then season two just crushed it again. And I don't understand that. I, I guess I've never no, been in that. Yeah, I don't understand. And I, I want to desperately because I, I mean, I don't, but I do just because I want to empathize with them. Everyone wants to be mad at something. They want to be mad at that. That's true. And that makes and, me sad. And the other thing I'll say, this versus Rise of Skywalker is how you do actual fan service and Easter eggs. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker did it in your like in a way that was just annoying and in such a terrible way when it did it. But this is like he's on Tantooine and Amy Sedaris happens to have Red Five. Yeah, like that. Which was the droid who like the Jawas self-destructed with the Jawas and still has a burn mark on it where like they clearly fixed it. It's like to me like that's perfect fans. Like that's Easter eggs and it makes sense that of course Red Five is on Tantooine. She yeah. would buy, she only employs droids. She has red five. The thing, it's under the radar. It's not just like going into a movie and going like oh, this. The fact that all the Beskar is in the ice cream maker that Wilro Hood is carrying in 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 Empire. Oh yeah. That's is I don't I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but the the thing that the the Beskar is actually in a portable ice cream machine, which was a prop that someone just grabbed and was running with in Bespin. If you watch it, there's a guy who's just carrying a port, a, a, a what is at the time in a home ice cream maker. Yeah, and it's been done up to look like it fits in the Star Wars universe. It's, it's literally a guy running with his ice cream. I'm sorry, do you mean like how Liam Neeson had to use a women's Gillette razor communicator? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's... but yeah, so, but it's what's funny is that guy eventually ended up getting an action figure called Wilro Hood. Yeah, I- And so I, it's kind of become, he, he's kind of become like a very big inside joke of just like Star Wars at that time about how they would find a way to make a figure and a story for literally every person i feel like that's a good place to end on is because that is true i want to thank you guys both for uh doing this episode of the good and geeky and we're all over the place but it's every episode of the good and geeky is but star wars there's a lot to unpack in general so i appreciate both of you guys going through that with us the good the bad and the geeky is presented by d4k studios executive producer is nick argenbright co-producers are ashley carlson and Catherine Ranella. The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky is also made possible by our Kickstarter backers. To see our backers, check out our show notes over at gbgpodcast.com. Our theme and end credit tracks for The Good, the Bad, and the Geeky are by chiptune artist Hide Your Tigers. You can check out their music by going to hideyourtigers.bandcamp.com. We also feature the track from Futurama, The Devil's Hands, Are Idle Playthings, an arrangement by our own Nathan Haley. If you enjoy our program, be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and to leave a review or subscribe to wherever podcasts are streamed. Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place!